Mike and Virginia Chevalier are not only diehard Broncos fans, but they've supported DNVR for a long time. They're members. They love all the teams that you love. And they're a husband and wife team with over 15 years of financial services experience. You can visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and get entered to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice. But more importantly, you'll get set up with a free consultation to discuss all of your options. Your home is going to be your largest asset. Your mortgage is going to be your largest debt. You do not want to get into this whole situation without a little bit of preparation. So make sure you check them out, dnvrmortgage.com. They will sit down with you and discuss all of your options, get you really set up in a place that is going to be comfortable for you as you take the leap into a home. So check them out, dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. And Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. Broncos podcast presented by MSU Denver online. Now's the time to apply and register for classes because spring semester starts January 19th. What are you doing differently with your life come spring 2021? Well, you could be furthering your education while working a full-time job. MSU Denver students work twice as many hours while they are enrolled than any other institution in Colorado because they're made for people like you who want to be able to work a full-time job but also want to further their education. So hopefully they can level up uh, in, the, uh, in the world uh, in the future. So check them out, rigorous and affordable programs taught by professors who bring the real world in the classroom. It's msudenver.edu slash online. My boys, what's up? How we doing, fellas? Little Saturday football coming our way and I am pumped. Yeah, Saturday football has treated me well this year. Uh, so hopefully, you know, the Broncos can uh, – can gather some of that Buffs energy and, you know, win uh, 80% of their games. Although I don't know that it, I'm a little bummed that you've got a rematch of the best college football game this year that is literally going to be going on at the exact same time as Broncos bills. You've got Clemson and Notre Dame meeting for the ACC title. Although this time with Trevor Lawrence, probably a college football playoff bid on the line and it's starting 30 minutes before Broncos bills. So that audience beyond the diehards of each, of each team is going to be cut down a little bit for this one. Yeah, so how did this work? Um, was this just all – the NFL season was already, you know, in place uh, long before the college season figured their thing out, and once college got it figured out, the NFL was just like, sorry, dudes, we are – that's our weekend. A hundred percent. I mean, that's – you know, they, they made the schedule, and, and usually the only thing they're competing against on this Saturday are those first bowls that are like, Sunbelt teams and Mac teams, the, the Camellia Bowl, the, the Cure Bowl, you, you know, those ones that uh, kind of change every couple of years and we forget about pretty quickly. So they, you know, 
the NFL wasn't anticipating a college football season that involved championship Saturday happening at the same time. But the NFL is like, hey, we've already got these time slots established. We're not gonna we're not gonna mess with them. I'm sure they'll take a little bit of a ratings hit, but uh, I am I am fascinated to see what the national number is at the end of the day, especially with that that head to head there between the Bronco game and the ACC title. And then, of course, later on in the day, you've got Alabama, Florida going on at the same time as Green Bay and Carolina. And as your pregame to all of that yeah. for the Broncos game, you have Northwestern and Ohio State. I yeah. mean, you just you have a perfect weekend of sports ahead of you if you like football at all. And on top of that, speaking of pregames for the Broncos show, we are going or for the Broncos game, we are going to be doing the tailgate on Saturday this weekend. And as I said yesterday uh, on, on DNVR Bets Daily, uh, a, a tailgate show with no Sunday scaries to interfere. Uh, could get extra wild. So uh, we'd love if you tune in with us on Saturday. Time TBD. We're going to figure out what the best time is because I totally forgot that there's big college games going on in the morning. So we'll figure out when the best time is uh, and we'll let you guys know. Um, But you're right. Big Saturday football. And uh, last thing I'll say here is there is one, you know, you have to look for the silver linings and things. It sure sucks that the DNVR bar and and all bars and restaurants are closed uh, for indoor dining in Denver right now. But it is nice when that's your office because, I, you know, I'm just sitting there like a kid in a candy store with a remote controlling 15 different TVs uh, because that's also our office. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll have the Broncos on one, Clemson on the other. I'll, you know, it'd be great. Yeah, I think everyone listening right now hates you right now, Ryan, for, uh, for, for, for the jealousy you're creating. Yeah, I mean, the $64,000 question here is also the tap's still working. Uh, they sure are. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> yes, yes, the taps are still working. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, wait, anyway. wait, guys, wait. S- since we're talking about this, can we just jump into the Gra- DraftKings Sportsbook Pick of the Week right now? Because sure. th- this is mine. And, guys, for your sake, I'm worried that if we wait till at the end of the first segment, this line is just going to get worse and worse for you because that's what it's done the past five days is just has continued to go up. And of course I'm talking about the Alabama Crimson Tide facing Florida this weekend in the championship game. And guys, I got in on this line Saturday morning before Florida absolutely laid an egg. It was 12 and a half. Now over at DraftKings Sportsbook 17, it's only going to keep getting higher, but you know what I say, if you got in at 12 and a half like me, well, great job. If you got in before it was 14, great job. If you got in before it was 17, great job. It doesn't matter. Alabama's going to win this game by 24-plus. I mean, really, there's no line that can be set where I'm not taking Alabama. Florida did not look good last week. Man, Kyle Trask could have a little fall from grace two weeks in a row, which is going to happen. Give me Alabama, and whatever the point spread is when you get in right now, it's 17. That is crazy how much it shifted. Um... And, Zach, did you hit your pick of the week last week? Uh, well, I, I gave a bonus pick of the week, which didn't hit. But the, my true pick of the week, of course, Alabama by 31 and a half. Easy money last week. It's a real shame to see, you know, you took a heat check and it didn't go in. <laughs> one game, you know, not even on a – yeah, yeah, I guess you're on a one-game winning streak now. 
Yeah, I guess. So let, let me extend it to two. I'll give a bonus one here. Uh, it, it's my favorite teaser of the weekend, and it's putting all three of those big college games together. So you throw Ohio State against Northwestern. They're 21 and a half or 21 point favorite. So you bring that down to 15 uh, with the with the six point teaser. Then you have Notre Dame Clemson. Give me Clemson all day. I mean, I like Clemson with the 10 and a half. So give me Clemson with six and a half when you bring in the six point teaser and then Alabama. I mean, you're giving me Alabama and what would that be? 11 points. Absolutely. I like that. I do. I, I must say I like that. Um, and I kind of like a lot of favorites this week, which can always be scary, but um, like I like Boise state. Um, you know, I like UCLA against Stanford you know, go to, you can go through, uh, it's a big favorites week, I think in, in college football. Uh, and you know, the buffs will be favored because the PAC 12 has screwed them out of playing any game at all. Uh, so, you know, thanks a lot, PAC 12, I guess, um, we have secured our, uh, 800 winning percentage for the regular season, which is nice. But, um, anyways, Mace, you got your pick of the week ready? Yeah, I'm keeping it simple here. I'm looking at I'm looking at Clemson and Notre Dame, and there's a temptation to take Notre Dame getting ten and a half points. And also, one thing that kind of comes into play is that it it wasn't Clemson's offense that let down in that game back in November. It was actually Clemson's defense giving up 33 in regulation and another couple of touchdowns to Notre Dame in overtime. But the Trevor Lawrence effect is profound. Uh, on this one and certainly Clemson uh, it's 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 do or die for their season in this game there's a scenario where Notre Dame could have a close loss or even like a 12 point loss that they're competitive in and stay in the top four believe it or not Clemson's got everything riding on this game that motivation is going to carry them so even though they're giving 10 and a half I'm taking Clemson in the ACC title game all right there you go um I have a lot of, I mean, there are so many different lines that I like. I, I, I'm worried with how much I like the slate in college football this weekend. Uh, but I'm going to go with the team that I've been riding for a while and they have not let me down. And that is Buffalo. Buffalo is minus 13 and a half taking on Ball State now. We always talk about how the, uh, the MAC is a conference of haves and haves nots. And uh, Ball State is one of the haves. And so it's going to be a challenge for them. Buffalo runs the ball. Uh, better than anyone in the country, and uh, that that leads them to battering some teams down. So uh, give me Buffalo minus 13.5 Friday night action for you against Ball State. Wow. Friday night maction. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes, and of course, <laughs> you get this action right now on this pod. Exactly. Okay. Talked to uh, – we had an early press conference this morning, so it's kind of a nice treat that uh, we get to instantly react here uh, on the podcast to some things we heard this morning. So, Mace, I'll start with you. What was your biggest takeaway from uh, the press conferences of Vic Fangio, Drew Locke, and Justin Simmons today? I mean, there were, there were a lot of good ones. Um, I'm going to stick with this one, and it's actually not Drew Locke. It's regarding Justin Simmons because I wanted to ask him this question last week, but uh, they had to cut him off and, and get him to practice. But I Justin obviously doesn't really want to talk much about his contract situation. There's nothing that can be done in the regular season. But I said, okay, I'm going to frame this in the light of what he does in the community, not just the football thing, and asked him about wanting to stay. And – the, the line that he, that he said was, it's a no-brainer for me. I love this place. I love my teammates. 
He added, it would mean everything to me. And also said, another reason why he wants to stay, guys, is he doesn't think that the Broncos are that far away. He said, I believe, a couple of pieces from being back where Broncos fans were accustomed to them being. Now, I'm hearing that. I'm thinking, those couple of pieces probably sitting on injured reserve right now. But just if the Broncos can't get something done with Justin Simmons, clearly it's not because Justin Simmons doesn't want to be here. It's because they didn't want him enough. Yeah, it's because they didn't want to give him 15 million reasons a year to stay here is probably why it wouldn't work out. Uh, But it's awesome that Justin wants to be here so bad. And people may say, wow, you see those comments? Hometown discount coming. No, Justin wants to be here, uh, I think, above anywhere else at the right price, at the fair price. And I think the fair price is what Mason and I broke down last week. And that's, you know, 14.5, 14.75 or 15 million so absolutely i mean it's it's awesome to hear that congratulations for justin simmons or to justin simmons for winning the darren williams good guy award given to uh the player that best handles and deals with the media he's won that three times two straight years that's the most uh by any bronco in the 14 years of this award he's very deserving and guys it just seems like he wins every single award possible yeah three times and by the way i was mentioned on the conference call Half of the winners have been defensive backs. And overall, guys, every winner has been a defensive player. Not yeah. one offensive player has won the Darren Williams Good Guy Award. Yeah, that, that's, always, I, I, that's a mystery to me. Now, um, defensive guys just seem to always be a bit more fun than offensive guys. But, you know, Justin is winning this award not based on him being fun. It's just how respectful uh, and, you know, understanding he is and – um, there's a lot of players who can make our jobs harder. Uh, and, you know, I've, I, it's always bothered me, not, not in a selfish way, but in a way of I feel like the, these guys don't understand that we're just trying to do our jobs. Uh, and, like, that's, the, that's like the ultimate level of understanding I ever want from the players, which it's just, hey, these guys have a job to do. Uh, I'm not going to make that tougher on them. And – Justin, I think, is the ultimate example of a guy who wants to help you do your, do your job. You know, if, if someone tries to blindside him with a question, you know, he, he can uh, – he, he's not just going uh, you know, to, just lay down. But for the most part, he's available in the most difficult times. He's available after losses. He's thoughtful after losses. Uh, and to me, it's a guy who understands, you know, he, he always says that football players are just people. He, he understands that media members are just people and, and we all have a job to do. Well, and really quick, I think one thing that will help an offensive player finally win it is the offensive line talking to the media again. And that starts with Dalton Reisner. I know he received a, a, a lot of votes for the good guy award winner. And so it's nice that the offensive line will, will start talking to us again. And that's in large part to Dalton Reisner. Yeah, uh, and I, I think there, you know, there's some quarterbacks um, who could have won it, but quarterbacks are uh, very guarded other than the one time that they speak to the media every week. So it's going to be tough for a quarterback to win it, even though they kind of often have the, uh, I don't know, personality that could win this award. Um, yeah, so, Peyton sure did, didn't he? <laughs> right. Like, you know, Peyton probably could have won the award if – he was a, if he was actually talking to people when he was in the locker room. Yeah, in a normal year, the willingness to uh, to do a bit extra and be willing to talk kind of 
one-on-one off to the side for uh, the understanding that, okay, not everything is meant for a, a big group setting. Uh, in terms of my vote, that, that tends to have, that, that ten, tends to have an impact. Like uh, there was, you know, one guy that on offense, I think you could have argued for getting it was CJ Anderson. Yeah. Who was excellent at that, at, uh, at always, uh, at always having time for that little bit of extra understanding that, Hey, it's going to, you know, some people need a little one-on-one and, and, and giving that time to the media. And so I, I, I know I voted for him one year uh, and, and so it's not like offensive guys haven't been close, but like you mentioned, Zach, you said the offensive line, effectively you're taking, you know, 40, you know, 46% of the, of the offense and ruling them out at that point. If the, when in the years the O-line wasn't talking, so. And the quarterback probably yeah. isn't going to win it either. So there's another mm-hmm. one. Yep, now right. you've got over half of the, the offense is ineligible. And then you have wide receivers who, as Emmanuel Sanders would say, are divas. So that probably takes them out of the running too. So, yeah, it kind of relies on running backs there, guys. <laughs> yeah, it's up to a running back. Or a fullback, I guess. Jano. But there's, there are some promising guys on the offense. I think, uh, you know, in the locker room last year, I thought Noah Fant was really intelligent and uh, would talk at great length last year. Um, you know, Philip Lindsay, we know, you know, uh, we, we know what kind of person he is from dealing with him over the last few years. So I, I think there are some definite uh, potential guys we're talking about, finally the offense, uh, breaking into the defensive stranglehold on the Darren Williams Award. All right. Uh, for me, my biggest takeaway, uh, no surprise, came from Drew Locke. And um, he said what we've been – what many people have been saying for a long time. He was asked – uh, what it would mean to have continuity at the offensive coordinator position next year, which I felt like was assuming a lot of things. Um, one, the continuity actually happening. Two, Drew Locke being the quarterback. But nonetheless, Drew gave an answer that uh, that I felt was very telling. And he said, yeah, uh, that would be awesome to have Pat Shermer back next year. He said um, – it would be the first comforting feeling I've had since my sophomore year of college. Now, I hope he just means in relation to his offense because it would be sad if he hadn't been comforted uh, since the sophomore year of college. But uh, how crazy – I mean, we've talked about this before, but just to hear Drew talk about it just really illuminates. Like, every single year of his football career since his sophomore year of college – He's gone into the offseason thinking, oh, God, I've got to learn a whole new offense. And that is just wild to me. Yeah, it's kind of like being in a relationship. We'll get that in two days in a row there. Uh, Or I guess two (laughs) days this week. Uh, And uh, you're with the same person for seven years. But every single year, you both have to learn a new language and communicate that way. And just (laughs) at the end of a year, when you start feeling good and and you can finally communicate with the person up, Got to start over. Got to start from square one. I know personally, being terrible at languages, that would uh, pretty much ruin me and any relationship I had. So I can only imagine that's been pretty, pretty tough for Drew. And certainly if I was in his position, I'd be a lot more comforted if I could stick with English for a second year in a row in a relationship. Well, and just kind of, I think, yeah, sorry. I, I, I think ahead. you... Uh... I like your attempt at a relationship. Uh, oh, come metaphor. on. Don't say that is an attempt. <laughs> but I would have said it differently. I would say it's like having a new girlfriend every year. Um, and to be completely honest, every long, t- all three of us have obviously been in long-term relationships. Um, 
And all the long-term relationships that I've had ended right around a year. I feel like right around a year is where you know, okay, is this going to work or is this not going to work? And to never get to that second year means you never like fully got into the relationship. Now, all of us are in, you know, relationships that I think I'm the, the shortest here at, uh, at over four years. And there's like, a, you, you reach like a, a relationship nirvana the further you go down the road. Drew Locke's never been able to get past that first year where you're still kind of figuring out the person's quirks. Can you handle the little things that you don't like about them? Uh, do you appreciate all the little, you know, quirks about their personality? Like, these are all the things that are uncovered in the first year. If you never make it to year two uh, of that relationship, you just, you never, like, that, it wasn't a, a real, a real relationship. It was a test drive for one year. Well, the one thing, though, that you hope is as you get longer, you, you don't have a situation, if we're putting in football terms, like, say, Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy, or even Tom Brady and Bill Belichick slash Josh McDaniels, where eventually it went on so long, they just got tired of each other. And that's something that uh, you always, that, that's, they say the relationship takes work. It takes work to kind of avoid that. Drew hasn't had to worry about that. No, oh, by the way. What would you say is Drew Locke's best season college or pro in the last few years? Sophomore year of college, second uh, year in the offense. Well, it, it, 2017, that was actually his junior season. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it was a year with Josh Heupel when he'd had Josh Heupel the year before. I think Drew meant like sophomore going into junior year right, when he was right, talking, right. At, talking about it. And that was the year that he burst on everyone's radar. He had, he had the highest passer rating college of his career. That was the 44 touchdown, 13 pick season that he had for the Tigers. It's it's not a coincidence that that was his best year with continuity. Yeah, he he led the led the nation in uh, passing touchdowns. And man, what if he does that again under Pat Shermer next year? Now, I think of course the big thing here is is Drew Locke the quarterback next year uh, because I do think Pat Shermer is going to be back really regardless of what happens. So we could really see continuity at head coach at offensive coordinator and if drew finishes finishes these three games solid at quarterback as well and that wouldn't just help drew like he said it's going to help everyone on offense it's going to help the offensive line a lot it's going to help the receivers especially the young young guys and it's going to help the running backs this will help the team so so much that's why i think that there's really no question that pat Shermer's coming back and we're not going to see a, a, an offensive coordinator move a couple of weeks after the season like we saw last year Man, uh, it's, you know, it does, I, you, every time you think about it, sorry, stumbling over my own thoughts here. Every time you think about it, you just, if, at least for me, every time I think about it, you just get closer to being like, you got to try continuity. You just have to try it. Uh, and while there's been some absolute frustrations with Pat Shermer, there's absolutely been frustrations with, uh, with Drew Locke. Those, the fact that they, they've showed progress over the last three uh, games in which they've played together, to me, is really building a, just a fantastic case for continuity. And, and when you look at Drew Locke, um, it, it, just to imagine never giving him that opportunity to be in the second year in an offense when the best year of his football life came in the second year in an offense – would be a massive failure, in my opinion, on the Broncos' part. Um, and not just in moving on from him after this year, 
But more importantly, in, in moving on from Rich Gangarello last year, um, and, and then putting Drew Locke in this do-or-die year in which he has to learn a new offense. Uh, again, you know, I say it all the time, the NFL isn't about, about being fair. So I'm not necessarily talking about how that would be unfair to Drew Locke. I think it would be a failure on the organization's part of not putting a promising young quarterback in the best position to succeed. Yeah, and so I think the key to Drew for these next three weeks and, to, and for putting himself in the best position to succeed and be the guy next year is something that he said today, and which was my biggest takeaway from this. And that uh, is Drew talking about how he just got tired of throwing the ball downfield when there wasn't anything there. Uh, we know that he's been, he was preached to by Elway, Shermer, uh, Brett Rippon, pretty much everyone in the organization. Drew, just do your job. Take the open guy. And it didn't click with him for, for most of the season. Uh, didn't click with him in Kansas City when he tried to do that against the Chiefs. And he said last week that was pretty much his biggest focus was just taking what was there and not trying to force anything. And when he did that on Sunday, look what happened. And that's going to be the key for him these next three games is just taking what is there. And you know what? If there's never a deep shot in a game, then don't force it. Because what have we said? I mean, really for Drew, Ball security is job security these last three weeks because we did see what he can do. We saw him put up four touchdowns and have a huge game. So now it's showing us that he can be careful with the ball. And to me, Drew, don't, don't lose sight of, uh, of, of, of what you did this past week in terms of taking care of the ball and not forcing anything. If he can keep that mindset for these last three weeks and not lose that, then he'll be the Broncos quarterback next year. There were some interesting things to parse out from that because, you know, Drew's talked about being a gunslinger, right, guys? Yep. Okay. So I heard that and I thought, okay, what do you think Drew is really tired of? You think he's really tired of throwing it downfield? Or do you think he's really tired of hearing about and seeing on the stat line that he's one of the two lowest-rate quarterbacks in the NFL? Well, I think he's really tired of uh, hearing everyone criticize him. Yeah, yeah, I think he's tired of the the failure that's come with it. And I losing. Th- yeah, yeah, and I think I, I think he finally hit that point where he's like, okay, I've I've got to change who and what I am as a quarterback. This is you know, it's as they said in Moneyball, this is this is adapt or die time. And to his credit, he adapted. The question is, will he continue to adapt? I mean, you, you had a you had a good situation there on Sunday in Carolina. Deontay Spencer got you out in front. You were never really in in chase mode. I mean, the Panthers were the ones doing the chasing in the second half. So let's see, you know, let's see how that holds up if the Broncos do get into chase mode on Saturday and against Buffalo. That's where I think falling behind might not be the worst thing because if Drew Locke can stick with this Take the take what's their philosophy. Take the singles. Take take the walk. Get on base. Don't always swing for the fences. If he can do that and stay settled, then I think you're really going to have something there. Yeah, uh, it's I don't know. I mean, it, it it's really interesting how Drew Locke should approach these last three weeks of the season. This is obviously going to be his toughest matchup um, this la- this week, and I think if he can get through this week with a successful game. Um, he's really going to be in a good position now. I don't know if anyone expects the Broncos to win this week. They're going up against one of the best teams in the NFL, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, Vic Fangio certainly has his hands full, although we're talking about a guy who 
shut down Justin Herbert or at least made life really difficult on Justin Herbert, made life really difficult on Tua, uh, made life pretty darn difficult on Patrick Mahomes' last try. Uh, and so this, you know, this will be another big test for him. If he can make life difficult on Josh Allen, I think the Broncos have a chance to win this football game. Uh, but if Drew, you're right, you know, Zach, ball security, job security. If Drew doesn't go out there and have an implosion-like game where he undoes what he does this, what he did this last week, I think he's really going to be on track uh, to getting the Broncos to 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 run it back uh, one more year at least with him. Uh, and that and what's crazy about that, talking on uh, Matt McChesney's podcast yesterday, McChesney Unchained. Now next year is another year, uh, another huge year for Drew. Why? Because you're talking extension next year for Drew if he enters into that, uh, into that category. So um, it's a big decision for the Broncos, obviously. But I think, I think Drew really controls his own destiny here, and it's all about what he's been talking about all week, what he talked about all last week, what he said they worked on so hard in practice. Take what the defense is giving you. Uh, you, you just have to. You just have to. Uh, in this league or you're going to be in a lot of trouble and, and it seems like he's had a little bit of a breakthrough on on that front yeah so drew do you want pat Shermer back next year yes you do you said it'd be awesome and huge drew do you want to be back next year if so just take care of the ball because we've seen your ceiling and i think obviously everyone is happy with his ceiling so now just show john elway that you can do what what is needed and that's taking care of the ball these these last three games do you think Drew was ever at a point where he was frustrated with Pat Shermer this year? Oh, yeah. Of course. So that, that's – and that's something that – that's another reason why I looked at that response and went, whoa, because now Drew is, has bought into Pat Shermer. Now, I think maybe it's, it's Pat adjusting the points of emphasis of the offense. But now two guys that did not appear on the same page for most of the season now appear to be on that same page. Yep, exactly. Uh, Mace, on Monday, I, um, I equated it to, you know, Drew uh, and John are, are dating, and uh, Shermer is John's best friend. And John's just saying, like, hey, look, if it's going to work for us two, it's got to work for you two. You know, I can't have my best friend and my, <laughs> and my you know, significant other not liking each other you guys got to figure out a way to get along and I think Drew and, and Pat sat down they had a conversation they said hey we both love it here we want to stay here uh so so let's figure it out and I think you know that's what happened before the Miami game is they really got on the same page for uh because they you know they both they both want to be here long term and you know how I responded to that Mace how I said well that was a nice attempt at a relationship uh connecting <laughs> here all right uh yesterday i'm i'm at costco doing uh doing a little bit of shopping and i walked down one of the aisles and and there it is the christmas ale mini keg oh and i thought to myself if you bring this to a holiday get together like you're just an instant legend and even if you just bring it home like, you know, uh, as you guys can see in the back of my Zoom call here, we set up the tree last night. And, uh, like, if you come home for, like, tree building night or gingerbread house night or whatever it is with a, with a Christmas ale mini keg, like, you're just an instant legend. I, it looks so cool. Uh, obviously, the Christmas ale is off the charts good. It just tastes like Christmas in a bottle. 
Uh, and it just, it just reminded me, like, I need to have one of these just, just in case, just in case, you know, there's the perfect Christmas situation plays itself out. So there, there's my, uh, my pitch for the Christmas ale mini keg, but you can of course always get it, uh, in, in a, uh, in a six pack in the bottle. There's just something special about that mini keg that just look, it just, it just makes you look way cooler. And I think if you buy 12 of those mini kegs, it adds up to what they call a half keg, which is actually what people think is a full keg. So you could just load up your fridge with, with 12 of those. Uh, uh, we're, we're within 12 days of Christmas, but uh, man, that'd be quite a way to start off Christmas. You're telling me my whole life when I've been going to keggers, I've only been going to half keggers? Exactly. Yeah, you should correct everyone at parties. Uh, people love when you do that. So I'm, I'm going to try that. <laughs> I mean, you, you said you wanted to be everyone's favorite at the party. There you yeah. go. <laughs> Tell, so is a, is a full keg not accessible? I, I don't know. And I don't know if restaurants do get full kegs, but yeah, like the, the normal one that you would pick up and, uh, do crazy things with that's a half keg. Very interesting. I, um, I have seen our keg room at the DNVR bar and they are the same size as the ones that, uh, that I've been seeing my whole life. Yeah. So I don't know where any place would actually get a full keg unless I'm so full of it, but I'm pretty sure. I think you are full of it. (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) Well, we know we have, uh, at least two listeners of the show who work in the beer distribution business. So, uh, they'll, they'll set us straight tomorrow. I'm sure. And speaking of setting you straight, our Colorado rugby coverage will set you straight. In fact, it'll if you want to learn the game of rugby, it'll teach you everything about it. If you want to know what's going on and what's the most up-to-date stuff going on, call our Colorado rugby coverage at thednbr.com. We'll do it because our reporter, Colton Strickler, does a great job of keeping you up on all things American rugby since now Infinity Park in Glendale is the official training center of men's and women's USA Eagles 15 teams. That makes Colorado the place for American rugby, and we have got the best coverage of it with Colton Strickler breaking it down, not just on the website at thednvr.com, but on podcasts, anywhere you can find them. Search for DNVR Rugby and also on Twitter at DNVR Rugby. So make sure to give us a follow on podcasts and on Twitter and check us out at thednvr.com. All right, let's move on here to the questions from the listeners. I'll let you guys lead us off. All right, well, Windy City Bronco has a comment, and I think we may have to set him straight a little bit. He says, Locke is probably not Elway, Manning, or Mahomes, so what would be good enough? What's the kind of quarterback we can go forward with for the next decade? Joe Flacco. He has an 84.1 average pass rating over his career, 224 touchdowns, 144 interceptions, and a Super Bowl ring. He was the second-best quarterback in a competitive division. He was playing for a team known for a strong defense. Flacco's first season in 08, 60% completion percentage, 14 touchdowns, 12 picks. Locke's career so far, 59.5 completion percentage, 20 touchdowns, 16 picks. For extra fun, look at Flacco's best season in 2014. He had two elite games, one with a 149.7 rating, another one with a 137.4. In Locke's career, he's got a 149.5 and a 136. I would settle for the next Flacco, but there's some hints Locke is even better than that next week. If the Broncos lose, I'll be comparing Locke to Elvis Gerback's career stats. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh. <laughs> I mean, the, the one part that really gets me here is he says, 
what's the kind or what's the quarterback we can go forward with for the next decade? No, you don't want to go forward with Joe Flacco. Now, if you're saying that this is, that this is the comp that you think Drew Locke will be, okay, I mean, you, you present some good evidence, but this is not the one that you want moving forward. I mean, I know oh. he had a great playoff stretch. Yes. But boy, if you're just getting one great playoff stretch and that's it over a decade – that's that's tough. I don't know. I'm never passing up an opportunity to get a Super Bowl in a 10-year span. Uh, but the problem is, I mean, remember they, they gave him that contract and they overpaid for average. And the other thing, like you take a – you know, let, let's, let's look at uh, what he suggest, says about, uh, you know, Joe Flacco in his rookie season, that he was at uh, – he was at 16%, 14 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Well, also remember, guys, the average passer rating in 2008 was 83.1. Today it's 93.3. So standards have changed as far as what we define as successful, and that's why you can't really compare across eras here. An 84-1 passer rating over his career. Guys, if that's, if that's Drew Locke over his career, that is below average quarterbacking. Yeah, it is. But with that being said, I'm still taking a Super Bowl over a 10-year span. I don't care about overpaying the quarterback after that or anything like it because uh, if a quarterback wins a Super Bowl, they were a success for that franchise, oh. uh, in my opinion. You, you, you better hope somebody on, the, on, on that defense uh, uh, develops into a, a Ray Lewis-type superstar that, uh, carried, that carried the Ravens in the first five years of Joe Flacco's career and then once Ray Lewis retired, and Joe Flacco was the, was the highest-paid Raven, the results were considerably more mediocre. Yeah, I mean, if, you, if you're talking about you get everything that came with Joe Flacco, including the great defense and stuff in the, in the Super Bowl, then, Ryan, yeah, you're probably not passing up a Super Bowl over 10 years. But if you're just looking at Joe Flacco and the type of player he was and where he has a four-game stretch that's really, really good, and you're counting on Drew Locke to have that in the playoffs at the right time again – no, thank you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you if you don't get the guaranteed Super Bowl in that <laughs> ten year span, then uh, it's a much larger risk. Next one here from Shat Permer. How do you got? How do you boys uh, like the smash fill up the middle into the loaded box play? I'll keep calling it until it works. Then try something else to keep the defense on their toes. Scheming to my players' strengths is my specialty, as you can no doubt tell. After seeing the success of the screenplays last week, I'll be abandoning any passes behind the line of the scrimmage and calling long bombs on all first downs. Got to knock Drew down a peg or two. Can't have him feeling too confident in getting him on a roll. I'm confident we can have a shootout with the Bills and win. Who needs cornerbacks anyway? I am Shat. This is the way. Man, these always make me laugh, Shat. Thanks for thanks for chiming in. Yeah, let's let's hope uh, more screens and less fill up the middle. Yeah, less fill up the middle into loaded boxes. Like you can work with Phil in the middle of the field into a six-man box. Um, the problem is they're telegraphing run and then just running right into it. And having Phil out there is already, as we've talked about before, telegraphing run because they aren't using him enough in the pass game. Um, so it's a get the guards pulling. Phil and Lindsay, if, yeah. if you're going to run it, get him to the outside with a pulling guard on, uh, on, his, on his horse. And another thing is if they load the box, why can't you audible into a screen to Phil? Yeah, you should. Anything to anything to get it outside of the box to get to to get the defense spread out and then give Phil a chance to make some plays in space. Well, so a little pushback though. Then if every run that you do is a pulling guard, won't the defense pick up on that? 
and not let that happen. Maybe well, you'll yes. have success for one game. Right. You don't <laughs> need to yeah, adjust. I mean, but what I'm saying is just don't run up the middle into a stacked box. That's well, the fair. thing well, is well, – yeah, really uh, Another thing, too, really quick is the Broncos did try to get Phil the ball as a passer last week. They, they threw it to him twice. He had two catches, which tied what he had entering the season. And still, when they tried to run, it, run the ball with him, defenses didn't, didn't uh, change. Well, and don't forget, if you are pulling the guards and you are doing things outside, then all of a sudden the defense can't stack the box the way it has been. So yeah. you, you, you're, you're, and then lo and behold, you're going to have those runs up the middle available to you. Yeah. I mean, it's a chess match and I just, yeah. in the run game, I don't know uh, how well Pat Shermer is playing that chess match, despite getting a lot better with Drew Locke the last couple of weeks. I think a big thing with it too, is that the, not, not only are the play calls not working, but the personnel and play calls just don't seem to be lining up. Yep. I think you're right. I think you're right. And uh, hopefully that's something they can, they can get nailed down these last three games. Next one from Casper Mace in your time covering the NFL. Have you ever asked John Elway about the Simpsons episode where the Simpsons family has to go to witness protection and Homer says, Oh, I want to be John Elway. I've never seen anywhere that John himself is actually talking about it. Maybe I'll have to ask him sometime. It hasn't come up, but I do know this. The Broncos references in the early years of the Simpsons, they were kind of a sore spot because in that reference, when Homer yeah, says, ooh, I want to be John Elway, and he has this dream where he's wearing like a Red Grange era football uniform, and he calls a quarterback sneak, and you hear the announcer say, and thanks to Elway's patent, last second magic, the final score is Super Bowl 30, Denver 7, San Francisco 56, and... <laughs> when Homer bets on Denver against New England at one point, they're down 55, 10. When, uh, when Homer takes a job in Cypress Creek come and, and has to leave his boss, Hank Scorpio, he comes back home and uh, uh, the gift that is on his front lawn as a thank you from Hank Scorpio is that he's bought the Denver Broncos for him. And Homer says, Oh, the Denver Broncos. And they're and the and they're all out in the front yard and they're dropping passes and they're bumping into each other and everything. So I don't know that uh, that if I brought that up, it would uh, engender the fondest memories. Yeah, uh, if Homer would have just held on, he'd have a three billion dollar asset now. Well, that the funny thing is, the two full seasons after that episode aired, the Broncos won the Super Bowl. <laughs> Pretty great. Pretty yeah. great. Uh, from Casper. Nope. Sorry. That was from Sheriff Pikey. Hey guys. Uh, my guys, have you had a chance to try Breck Brew's Palisade peach beer? I recently found it on my travels up in Minnesota and damn, it's good beer on the football. Oh yes, I have tried it and it is damn good beer. They all it, are. It is damn good beer. <laughs> on the football. Do you guys know what's going on with Lindsay? The last couple of games seems like he's attempting to run up the gut where there isn't a gap. Uh, or maybe the patchwork line isn't holding long enough for him to bounce to the outside. Well, it, it's not him who's attempting to run up the gut. I mean, I guess he he is the one making that attempt. The play calls are what I have the issue with. Um, and I do think as Ray City Bronco chimes in here, I think he's dealing with uh, with some injuries that are hampering him a little bit. But, man, I usually think of it as if the running back is contacted before they get to the line of scrimmage, I'm not putting it on them. Uh, and that's happened a lot to Phil in the last couple of weeks. That happened it, a lot to 
Floyd Little back in the day. Um, I remember uh, Jeff Legwell, when he was working on the case for Floyd Little, uh, went back and was able to find out just how many times Floyd Little was hit behind the line of scrimmage. And that was part of the argument, that he had no line in front of him. It, 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 it really reminds me these past couple of weeks of just it started against the New Orleans Saints when, of course, Phil just had to take the snap out of uh, shotgun straight to him in the wildcat formation with no quarterback. And he was just, you know, pretty much running full speed head down into the back of offensive linemen because the defense was just stacking the box and not letting anything happen. It seems like not necessarily he hasn't been able to break out of that game, but just when he's on the field, the offense kind of just looks like that uh, and where he's just kind of, you know, putting his uh, Tasmanian devil legs on running full speed and either he's not seeing holes, there's absolutely no holes to be had when he tries kicking it back. There's people right there. And it just seems like, you know, I, I just think one big play may be all that Phil needs in order to kind of get out of this rut. Yeah. Uh, one thing I don't think we've seen once this year, you guys can correct me if you think I'm wrong, is a sweep. I don't know if Phil has got, got a sweep all season long. Uh, you know, those are the things I want to see. Creativity in the running game is so important. I want to see the Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay bat in the backfield together formation. Uh, you could do some inside handoffs to Phil from the fullback position. I mean, you know, I, not, in, not necessarily an inside handoff, but, you know, like where you look like you're going to uh, send a sweep to Melvin Gordon going right, and then you hand it to Phil going left a little bit, like let's take it out of the uh, Air Force playbook. Just get creative. Try and try and free him up because your best offense includes Philip Lindsay creating chunk plays for you. You know what? I want to see guards pulling on those sweeps. Dalton Reisner can do it. If Natani Muti is back in the lineup Saturday for Graham Glasgow, I really want to see Natani Muti pulling on a sweep. Man, rewatching the the game and, and keying in on Natani Muti, oh. he kind of looks like a massive linebacker playing offensive line. Like, he doesn't have the, like, tubby offensive lineman build. He, uh, and maybe it's because he has the 52 on, which is a mm -hmm. linebacker number. But, man, he just looks like a house out there when he's pulling on those plays, when he's getting out of the open field. Did you guys see the play where uh, he – he knocked a dude over with one hand and then got like 10 yards downfield and made a block. I'm like, oh my God, this is like mythological things happening right here. Yeah, he's built like a refrigerator. Use him, use him on the goal line then. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm down for that for sure. Yeah, he's built like a refrigerator who, has, who is actually nimble. I think the thing that really jumped out to me was so many guys, they make the transition from college to pro, and they absolutely dominate at the college level, but in the pros, uh, it, it looks a lot different. The way Natani Moody operated in, spe in, in space when he, got, when he got downfield, it looked like his Fresno film. Yeah, yeah. It did not look like a big jump to the NFL, that's for no. sure. Next one from Orange and Blue, Ozzy. Great podcast, boys. Offensive line might end up as a strength before long. I'm leaning the Minshew is our hedge with a stash br brigade. He's only going to generate a fifth-round pick at best and can challenge Drew to his best. It's clear that even Mason Zach would take almost any offer for Trevor Lawrence. RK would trade the entire team for him. But Belichick is going to try to throw the last game to avoid Trevor, and Jax might be our prospective trade partner. They can't be as bad as the Jets in decision-making, can they? Man, it really came to me yesterday, and I think, Macy, you were the first one who brought it up, but, like, that's happening. The Patriots are losing to the Jets in Week 17. Uh, uh, like, 
Yeah, we talked about it last week how crazy that is. <laughs> I will be betting on that because that is happening. There's no way Bill Belichick is willingly allowing them to get Trevor Lawrence when he controls everything. Absolutely. I mean, Bill, Bill's the guy who would see the big picture on that. And how that's, could you not? Maybe he's already setting it up to where, you know, he got Jarrett Stidham out there against the Rams late last week to where he's setting it up to where, yeah, I can go ahead and play Stidham in this game. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and sit some guys. Uh, you know how the Patriots sometimes have their injury reports that have like, have like 30 names on them? Maybe that last week the Patriots put like 20 guys on the COVID-19 reserve list. Just yep. say, okay, these guys are out. We're going we're gonna to play with practice squad guys and, uh, and throw caution to the wind here. And the Jets on the other and the Jets on the other side, I mean, screwing this up would mean winning that game, and they're perfectly capable of it. Man, I, I know Belichick has thought about this. I am certain of it. Or how about yeah. this? They, the Patriots just put so many guys on the COVID-19 list. They say, shoot, we can't even field the team, and because of the NFL rules, we can't sign people to field a team. We're just going to have to forfeit. And then you don't even have to put your players on the field to put it up to their hands. You just give them the win. Wow, that's the best one I've heard so far. Um, that, this is all shaping up very well for my pizza bet with Count Locula, uh, hmm. who uh, he had the Patriots going to the playoffs. I did not. Um, so I will remain undefeated in pizza bets, although I might be headed for my first tie in a pizza bet with you, Zach. Uh, because, of course, I had Bucks not making the playoffs. You had Bucks winning the Super Bowl. Anything in between is a tie. Uh, I don't think they're missing the playoffs. So uh, I, I'm, I'm still counting on the tie. I do think they're, winning the, they're, they're making the Super Bowl, though. So I think I'm going to win this thing. You think they're wow. potentially going into Green Bay and winning? I, yeah, of course I do. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I know you, it's yeah, your I'm guy Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> yeah, but... Uh, Maybe this is decades of frustration talking. I can't see a Tampa team, 72 degrees in January, going into Green Bay, even with no fans, and winning that game. This is Tom Brady, who's played in New England for two decades, though, and plenty of home playoff games. He's only, he's only one man. And I, I think I read something in the last several days where that, a report about how uh, but Tom Brady and Giselle, they both said, yeah, you know what? We're not going back to being up north in the cold in the wintertime. We're staying right here in Florida. <laughs> I don't blame him. <laughs> I think he's already softened up. <laughs> what do you guys think of Minshew as the Broncos' backup quarterback next year? Yeah, I mean, he, he's the guy that you bring in to, to compete with Drew. I mean, what he did this year, what he's done this year, when healthy, it's not his, his fault that his team has one win. Uh, a guy that has 14 touchdowns, five interceptions, 65% completion thrown for 250 yards a game. Uh, he's a guy that would compete with Drew and uh, would be fun. He's shown, an, yeah, he's shown enough to me with not much around him and shown enough kind of, the, of that it factor to where if he were available at a reasonable, reasonable price, I'd definitely bring him in. Yeah, yeah. Uh... The only thing that worries me is him like playing so well in training camp and preseason that he gets the starting job. And like, I don't think the ceiling is there for him. Um, I think his ceiling is kind of like Ryan Fitzpatrick, um, which is not bad, but not something that you want to go long-term. So that that's the only thing that gives me a little bit of hesitation, but 
Uh, I think as the hedge backup, you know, kind of no, knowing he's coming in as the backup uh, and the Broncos still be willing to run with Drew Locke to start the season, I feel, I feel really comfortable with that. Yeah, I mean, he could definitely have what some people may say is the Trevor Simeon effect in terms of just being, like, really crisp, really good in training camp. But, yeah, uh, some people would say that that has a limited ceiling on it. Yes, I am one of those people. Um, from Dan Burke, hey, guys, did y'all see this stat from PFF yesterday? This is quite the stat. Drew Locke, on, uh, Drew Locke passer rating off play action, 123.8 which is third in the NFL, off no play action, 59.5, which is last in the NFL. As Shat Permer would probably say, all right, let's just have him in shotgun and have him stand back there and not run. Yeah, it's interesting. What do you think is the more important factor in there? Because I think it's not only the fact that you're keeping the defense off balance, but a lot of those play actions, you're getting him outside the pocket and you're and you're limiting the field that he's looking at and reading and to one side or the other. And that's something he's able to handle. And not only are you getting him out of the pocket, but you're manipulating linebackers. You're opening up some, um, some easier reads for him. Uh, and I wonder if you could go back and look at, at like Josh Allen, uh, who's obviously a big topic of conversation this week, uh, how he did in his first couple of years off play action versus just standing in the shotgun or coming out from under center uh, and see if you could see a similar trend. Uh, you know, sometimes you have to simplify things a little bit for these guys, especially when they're struggling. And I also, I swear there's a rhythm thing with Drew uh, and play action. Whenever he, especially when they run play action out of the pistol, which we haven't even seen once since they finally brought it out in the Miami game and it was beautiful. Um, there's something about Drew's rhythm that looks way more on point to me when he comes off of play action. Yeah, and, and it's, it's a great thing to help him and, and to see to, to get him in a rhythm in games and to see if he can take the next step of having more success when he's just standing in the pocket. By the way, guys, Josh Allen's passer rating on play action as a rookie was 61.7. Oh, wow. What about as a second-year player? Uh, Second-year player, let's just cue that up here. Um, he, let's see, Josh Allen, find him here. Well, he's, uh, he's not near the top. I got to scroll down a little bit here. Um, we can, we can hear Mace's mind working right now. Those well, fingers typing up to up, but only up to 80.7. All right. Interesting. And then, and then this year he's up to 100.4. So his rating on play action this year isn't even what Drew Locks is right now. And uh, and what what is what is Josh Allen's overall passer rating at this point? A hundred, just over a hundred, hundred three, I believe. So basically, he's the same quarterback on play action as without play action. You'd love right. to see. That's what you'd love to see. I absolutely. Um, all right. Before we move on, a shout out to WGT and the DNVR for Country Club. You can go into dnvrgolf.com, download the WGT app, and get in on all the fun, all the action. Over at WGT, you can play some of the most exciting courses in the world, including Beth Page, Black Pebble Beach, St. Andrews, Bandon Dunes, Wolf Creek, and so many more. Uh, and this week, we're going to have the Santa's Workshop open at Kiowa Island. Uh, I'm sure this is inspired by the fact that our guys, Spencer and Mitch, who run DNVR Golf, made their own little trip to Kiowa Island last week. Uh, and as they went to the Broncos game down there in Carolina, uh, so make sure you get in, join the DNVR4 Country Club, go to club tournaments, 
and you'll see Santa's workshop open. You can play this week. All you got to do is play, and you're entered to win a prize uh, of a DNVR shirt or hat of your choice, which is pretty sweet. And then every time you play, every week you enter leading up until Christmas, so two more here, um, you will be entered for our grand prize, which you're going to absolutely love. Guys, make sure to also check out Strava Craft Coffee. Strava is rich CBD-infused coffee that you can purchase in K-cups for your Keurig, whole bean, or ground. And you can also get Strava Craft Coffee shipped straight to you every two, three, four, six, or eight weeks if you subscribe to them. And the benefit of subscribing is not only do you not have to enter your credit card or go in every couple of weeks to put place in order, you can do that automatically, but you'll also get 20% off every single time you buy Strava Craft Coffee. And if you want to try Strava Craft Coffee out before subscribing, use that magical code DNVR20 at checkout to get 20% off your first purchase of Strava Craft Coffee. Strava is not only delicious coffee, but it packs that CBD punch, which helps with aches, migraines, headaches, anything that's going on, it helps relieve that including the coffee jitters. So it's another perfect one-two punch there. You get the caffeine boost without the caffeine jitters. So make sure to check out Strava Craft Coffee. Use that magical code DNVR20 for 20% off your purchase and then subscribe to receive 20% off after every purchase. By the way, I need to just correct myself here on that. I misread the charts on Pro Football Focus. I want to go back on Josh Allen's play action versus non-play action. Rookie season, play action, 58.8 rating. Non-play action, 61.7. Second year, 100.5 rating on play action, 80.7. No play action. That's more like what we're seeing. Right. Third year, this year, 108.6 rating play action and uh, 100.4 with uh, with no play action. Now, the thing is, the average quarterback is going to be higher in play action than no play action. So, in play action, Josh Allen's passer rating uh, ranks behind uh, 15 guys that have at least 100 attempts. But in terms of non-play action rating, uh, he, only ranks, he only ranks behind eight other guys. Very interesting. With that second-year gap, what is closer to what we're seeing with Drew Locke, although Drew is about 20 points in both directions. Um, so could kind of look uh, into yeah, there yeah, to see your, where, yeah. what similar types of uh, gaps there were. Right. Next one coming in from Emma Wright or Amarillo. Any news on Von Miller lately? Not that I personally believe he should play this year, as there is too much to lose and nothing to be gained from it. But since the Stokely interview, I've heard nothing about Von's prospects for next season, and I sure hate to think we've seen the last of him in orange and blue. Had a long conversation uh, with Matt McChesney about this yesterday on the um, McChesney Unchained, so make sure you check that out if you're looking for another podcast to listen to. Um, to me, it, it really is going to come down to whether Vaughn will take a pay cut or not, uh, whether he wants to hear that or not. Um, I don't think the Broncos can in good conscience pay a guy who came off an eight and a half sack season and then missed the whole season that much money. A guy that's in his thirties too. He's not going to be back, uh, on the contract that he has right now. So it's, it's all going to be up to Vaughn because I think John Elway wants him around, but it could be a significant cut. I mean, it could be, it could be cut straight in half. Yeah. And you wonder kind of what the priority is looking like here because, you know, they're already looking, they're already trying to get something done with Shelby Harris. Certainly it looks like Justin Simmons is beyond that, even though they got the franchise tag. Now they're going to have to probably make a move on AJ Boye and Jerome Casey uh, restructures at minimum to have, if they're going to be back and they get Shelby Harris and Vaughn and, uh, 
and Justin Simmons done. So this is a matter of, of maybe you're trying to fit uh, 20 pounds into a 15 pound bag here. And uh, is there, I think with Vaughn at minimum, you are talking about a restructure. And the update with Vaughn for this year right now is he has not been medically cleared, but he is running. He started running last week. We saw him back out there on the practice field, not in pads or anything, but uh, we'll see. Vic Fangio said probably not going to play this week. Uh, the Broncos only practice of the week is tomorrow. So we'll see what he's like out there. Yeah, he shouldn't play. Um, no, I think easy. that's pretty obvious. Yeah. Next one <laughs> again from coming in from Amorite or Amarillo. Says double comment just for fun. Quick round of this or that. Okay, guys, I'm going to go through these. You tell me which one you would rather have. Would you rather have a quarterback who throws 35 touchdowns and 35 interceptions? We'll call him Uber Jameis or a quarterback who throws eight touchdowns and no interceptions in a season. The latter, because if I've got eight touchdowns, no picks, that means I've probably got the best running game in the league by far. Or that your offense just goes three and out most uh, times. And uh, with the times that it doesn't, it, you, you sometimes go down and get a score. But then he'd have interceptions because you'd be, fall, you'd be three and out, you'd be falling behind, and you'd, be, and, and you'd be forcing it. It's the zero interceptions there that makes me think, all right, this team is, this team is the best running team in the NFL in decades. Tyrod Taylor made the made the playoffs with like sixteen to two once, didn't he? Yeah, back in or seventeen with Buffalo. It's and his, you're, it's and you're cutting that in. You're cutting that in half, though. I mean, we're talking about like well, one of the craziest uh, things that's happened, and we're saying cut that in half. The thirty-five interceptions is just, you cannot win. Uh, you just <laughs> yeah. you cannot win enough games <laughs> with thirty-five interceptions. I mean that the the, the thought. Think about this. Drew Locke has 13 interceptions this year, and it seems like he tur- like the complaint about him is that he turns the ball over too much. This is almost three times as much as that. It's it's you you cannot win with that many turnovers. Yeah, but here's the thing, guys. I, I would say Derrick Henry is probably the best running back in the NFL right now. The Titans' ground game's insane. He he could have a 2,000 yard season. That's how good his season is right now. You have Ryan Tannehill. 28 touchdowns. So, I mean, how good would this ground game have to be? I think your offense is more realistically uh, is, is more realistically going to be terrible with eight touchdowns and no picks because you're not going to be have, have that good of a running game. So, you know what? Yes, it's not going to be uh, the, the formula for a championship, but give me the exciting 35 and 35 as opposed to the three and out fest. There are still a lot of coaches that if they had an, a, a ground game that could get six yards a pop, which is probably what you're talking about, that they would just run all day and say thank you. And that 35 interception team, an average NFL team loses eight, eight or so fumbles in a given year. So you're talking about about. 2.7 giveaways a game at minimum. I mean, that, that just would kill you over the course of a year. You're also, you're talking, also about talking about 2.7 touchdowns. touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> but, but in general, that many giveaways don't make, don't make up for the touchdowns. No, they don't. Uh, they I'll don't. just take the, I'll take the handgun. Um. <laughs> All right, there's, let's, let's go through these other ones. These are, there are some good ones here, guys. Okay, a running back who rushes for 1,700 yards with seven fumbles or a 600-yard rusher with no fumbles? You definitely take the 1,700 yards here. Me 100%. Because you, you're not losing all those fumbles, right? That's, on average, three or four fumbles lost. 
even if it's all seven are lost, it's you Easy. still you, you take seventeen hundred yards. I mean, if you give a guy that many carries, he probably had what you know twice as many carries as the average running back does in a year. So now he has twice as many fumbles. It just costs of doing business. Would you yeah. rather have a tight end room with stone hands who run block like guards, or a group of fast tight ends who are great receivers but block like punters? Um, I want the receivers. Yeah, give me Julius Th- a room of Julius Thomases. Yeah, I'm I'm scheming mismatches with those guys. Exactly. E- easy. A wide receiver with a 50% drop rate, but is guaranteed for one touchdown a game, or a wide receiver who catches everything but never scores. A wide receiver who catches everything but never scores. That's just Julio Jones. I want him. <laughs> Give me the touchdown. I want points. No, you can't. You can't have a guy out there who drops every other pass that comes his way. Well, unless, then, yeah, unless he's literally targeted only 32 times and he's got 16 receptions and they're all scores. That's the only way you can live with that. That's what you do. You target, <laughs> you target him in the red zone. Every time you're down there, you throw it to the end zone. Uh, if he doesn't catch the first one, he'll catch the second one. Uh, next one, a cornerback who are locked down between the 20s but terrible in the red zone or vice versa. Oh, I want, I want locked down in the red zone. Me too. Yeah, definitely locked down in the red zone. That's yeah. easy. And final one, a safety who hits like Steve Atwater in run support but couldn't cover your grandma or safeties that shut down everything in their zones but couldn't tackle a JV running back. That last one is me, guys. Uh, you definitely uh, need, you need the tackling. Yeah. Um, like, even if, you, even if you shut down everything in your zones and can't, and can't tackle, you're still going to give up a ton of big plays. Nope. Give me, give me the guy that just shuts everything down in the back. It's honestly it, that one. There's no right answer. Your team no. sucks regardless if you have that in the back. <laughs> Man, that was a fun one, Emma Ryder Amarillo. You killed it. I mean, it, now the worst case scenario is having safeties that uh, have the worst of both worlds. If you have that, you have the 2008 Detroit Lions. Yes. Yeah. Seriously. I, I mean, your safety, like the safety. It's called the safety for a reason. They have to either be the one to make the last tackle on the running back before it's a touchdown or the one to, you know, to cover the, the deepest part of the field. If they can't do one of those two things, they aren't a safety at all. Just move, them to, move one of those guys to corner and the other one to linebacker. Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's a pretty good combo there. <laughs> Next one from Ray City Bronco. Hey, guys, which tackle did you like better from Sunday? Will Park sack or Jerry Judy's when he nearly pulled off the Don Beebe tackle? And which, Jerry Ju- or, and which Judy tackle was better, the one from Sunday or when he took down K.J. Hamler against the Chargers? <laughs> I'll take the Chargers tackle. Um, and I also love Jerry Judy going and tracking down and stopping that touchdown. Um, because, you know, we talked a lot about his body language um, the week before and, you know, kind of half-assing it on some plays when the ball wasn't coming his way. I don't, I don't like seeing that. Uh, and I think maybe if someone had a talk with him uh, in, during the week and, and the uh, mental, you know, thing clicked on for him and it showed in that play. Yeah, I, I get where you're coming from, but I, I like Will Park so much personally that uh... – I've always got to go with Will on this one. I, I agree. Yeah. 
Yeah, the sack was awesome. Jerry's was was the hustle you like to see, so I'll go yeah. with Jerry's as well. Next one from DTL. Hey, boys, so can we talk about how trash the Dolphins are? I think we overrated them in our game because how in the world do you get four turnovers and still lose the game? And don't say anything about the Chiefs are just that good. Three picks and a fumble is not good. Well, the Chiefs are just that good, and, uh, you know, they were within one score of the Chiefs. I, You know, the Dolphins have made – I think if anyone thinks the Dolphins are Super Bowl contenders this year, then, yeah, they're drinking their bathwater. They're crazy. Uh, the Dolphins are, you know, an up-and-coming team without a doubt. So I just maybe don't think of them as, like, an elite team right now, but I view them as a playoff team like they are. Well, the, with the exception of the uh, the win over the Rams – uh, they've become that team that is going to beat everybody they're clearly better than. Uh, they're going to win some, lose some against teams on their level. And I'd say the Broncos are on their level. And they're, they're going to get beat by the teams that are, that are in the elite. I mean, that's, that's just where they are in their development. Uh, I mean, I think if you gave the Dolphins the Broncos' schedule, they'd be about like the Broncos right now. But the Dolphins did get the Jaguars and did get the Jets twice and did get the Bengals. So, you know, hats off to them. They've made the most of their schedule. The Broncos' strength of schedule is like another thing in the, in the pantheon of all the things that went wrong for the Broncos this year. Like, your schedule isn't supposed to be this hard when uh, you're, you know, a bottom half of the league team. Yeah, well, it's not gonna. It's not gonna get much easier in the future if Justin Herbert develops, and because you're always going to have the 13 and three Chiefs in your division, for sure. But most teams have to play a really good team in their in their division. Um, it's just you know the fact that you ended up drawing the Titans and you ended up drawing the Steelers, um, you know, because you ended up getting second place uh, in your division last year. Well, the other thing is you look at next year and the Broncos, they could be second, they could be third uh, in all likelihood. Um, And that's going to determine the games that they play against the AFC East and the AFC South. So right now, uh, facing second place teams in those divisions would get you the Indianapolis Colts and and the the team we just mentioned, the Miami Dolphins, uh, facing the third place teams would get you the New England Patriots and the Houston Texans. What would you rather have? Uh, yeah, I mean, you definitely want the Patriots and the Texans. Uh, who knows what's going to go on with the Texans? I just saw that they're uh, looking – they're going to interview Lewis Riddick for their GM job. Now they're thinking uh, along the right line. And so the Texans could easily be a team who turns it around. And, and next year we could be talking about, like, oh, my God, the Broncos got so unlucky – even though they were a third-place team, they still drew the Texans, who made all these great moves in the offseason, and now they're rolling. But um, you're right, you know, you're right, Zach. The, the toughness is in, a lot of it's coming from in the division, um, and the, the Raiders are actually helping that strength of schedule number go down with their absolute implosion right now. But for a second there, you were you were looking at what you thought uh, were, were three very solid teams. Um, obviously, the Chargers just aren't. But they do have a quarterback, which means they're they have a chance in every game. Yeah, ex- exactly. And man, it's uh, it's going to be interesting the way the Broncos finish this season. They still have a shot at the playoffs, which I got a piece dropping on that. It's really fun about what has to happen. So stay tuned to the DNVR.com for that. All right, let's move on here. Next one from DTL. Hey boys, so can we talk about how trash the Dolphins are? I think we overrated in our them in our game. 
How in the world do you get four turnovers and still lose the game? And don't say anything about the Chiefs uh, are just that good. Three picks didn't we just, and fumble. Didn't we just do that? Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. yeah, LDJ is next. He says, hey, guys, I don't know if you heard some of Orlando Franklin's comments about the offense, but it was spot on. He said this is the first time, especially after Sunday, that the Broncos have depth on offense. Significant. If we look at 2017 versus now, we had no depth uh, after 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 Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. Now it's a struggle next year to see how many wide receivers we're going to keep because of Deontay Spencer. If 2017 we were dreadful at tight end, now we may have an incredible tight end duo mirroring Hernandez and Gronk. Running back depth deep, and now with Mooty, which Big O is extremely high on, extremely, there's depth at every position on offense except quarterback. Man, as Broncos fans, we should pray every night Drew works out because this team is set uh, to throw resources at the secondary and we're ready to roll. Please, Drew, please. P.S. I love Mooty, and I went back and watched his tape a lot. His past pro issues giving up pressure was a communication thing, not a skill set thing. With more reps, he's going to be awesome. You know, LDJ, I think he just made the case to trade for Gardner Minshew. Because it's the one position on offense, you don't have depth. Now you'd have depth. <laughs> yeah, or maybe he has his heights eyes set further in terms of a Carson Wentz type trade or something. But yeah, I mean, that's kind of where we were at coming into this season. That's why the season was all about Drew Locke, not just finding out what he could be, but because of just how much talent there was on offense and defense surrounding him. I just don't get the Carson Wentz conversations that are happening nationally. Like someone recently, I don't know who it was, like ranked the Broncos as like the, one of the top destinations for Carson Wentz. Because Bill are, Barnwell, he, he had the Broncos at third. There are no destinations for Carson Wentz. <laughs> he can't go anywhere. There's yeah. no one that's going to accept his contract, and the Eagles can't cut him. It's, it's, there's no such thing as a destination for Carson Wentz. He's staying home. He's not going anywhere. <laughs> Just like uh, everyone this year, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, unless there's some sort of, you know, cap savings loophole that the uh, Eagles can enact here where they take up half and, you know, give it to give half to someone else or something like that. I mean, even, would you even pay 20, you know, $15 million for Carson Wentz at this point? No. Mm, 15 is probably about right. I mean, you're rolling. I mean, you, you paid more than that for Case Keenum. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, a, it's I, a dice roll. If you're desperate, I think you would. But if the question is, you know, pay big money to Carson Wentz or just roll with uh, Drew Locke, like, to me, the answer is pretty obvious. Yep. We yeah. got to speed round these here, so let's uh, bring this home for a landing. Count Locula, been pounding the table for this for the years, and I finally see it in action, and it works in two-minute drills with no timeouts, having a play ready rather than spiking the ball and losing a down. Lamar and company do it, and it works. It's no-brainer to me. These little differences can make the difference. If you can't get a group of guys to get set, then practice it. Have two or three plays ready to get called at the line. It also keeps the defense from being able to regroup. Kudos, John Harbaugh. Love the count. Yeah, I totally agree with this. It's something that every team should have without a doubt. Yeah. Next one from the other, Ryan. My boys, pro football reference. Drew Locke is the youngest Broncos quarterback to throw four touchdowns, zero interception games since Don uh, Bro. Or, or, uh, oh, my gosh. Don, Don, Don Bro. Bro. Don, Don Bro. Bro. Yes, thank you. In 1963, I and I think a lot of us forget that Locke has yet to play a full season of games. Saturday will finally be Locke's 16th start in the NFL. Let's hope for continued newfound better decision-making from Locke, a minimum completion percentage of 60%, and a 2-1 to touchdown-to-interception ratio for the next three games. If Locke can do that, along with getting con continuity on the offensive system, a full offseason of OTAs training camp and some preseason games, I think the Broncos and their fans can be more optimistic about Locke's future for next season and beyond. My question for today is non-football related. What is your favorite Christmas holiday dessert? 
I can't decide between mini cheesecakes, cheesecakes cooked in baking cups topped with cherry pie filling, a really good eggnog, such as my family's homemade recipe, or a Southern Comfort commercial version, or the Chick-fil-A peppermint chip milkshake. Have a wonderful Wednesday, DNV Army salute. I can't say that I have one here. Um, I like, I think there's like some sort of thing called like peppermint bark or something where you have like chocolate and peppermint together that's good um i can't say there's any like elite holiday desserts other than just like a pie that you might have at christmas they're like a pecan pie yeah holiday cookies i mean i don't know if you call them desserts but we have sugar cookies with frosting around we've got some peanut butter cookies with peanut butter cups jammed in the top of them we got gingerbread with little cinnamon red hots on them those are always winners yeah, that sounds delicious. And of course, a glass of eggnog. Uh, two left. Oh, no. Next one from True Champ Fan 24. <laughs> Good morning, DNV Army. Been a minute since I have commented and just want to say I love y'all. Hope is well in the entire community. Scored myself some more merch. Just missing the DNVR sweat socks and underwear. There is a flag for every mass joke in there. Stay safe and happy holidays. DNVR underwear. I'll talk to the people. I'll talk to the powers that be. <laughs> socks, definitely. And final one coming in from Socks VA. Discussed. Yes. <laughs> we got to get them. And yes, final one to. from VA Beach Bronco. Shoot, that's a good question. Drew Locke in response to Zach Stevens' question about what clicked for him in last week's game. You know what I think actually clicked? And by the way, good job for the good questions, Zach. Oh, thank you, thank you. Um, I think he went back and watched the tape against the Chiefs and realized – that interception in the beginning of the game completely changed the outlook of the game. Um, and I think that probably just really resonated with him. Nobody wants the Broncos to beat the Chiefs more than Drew Locke. I can guarantee you that. And I think when he went back, he realized, man, at the time I thought this is just a, a, a play early in the game. We're going to need a lot of big plays in this game if we're going to win. I got to go out there and I got to win the game for the team and I got to make the big play. And so it's early. I can take a risk. And I think what happened is when he watched that film, he realized, wow, if I just play it smart there, if I hit Vanette in front of me and we move the chains and we go down and score a touchdown there, we might've won that football game. And I think that really, uh, really stuck with him. Yep. I think you're a hundred percent right because that was a crucial mistake and he didn't make that against the Panthers. He did not. All right. That's going to wrap it up for us today. Before we go, shout out to Green Mountain Dental Group. Several of our listeners have switched over to Green Mountain Dental Group uh, and have made them their permanent family. Dennis, we hear all the time how much people appreciate the team over at Green Mountain Dental Group. So become one of those people. Go down there, join, and, uh, and become a, a member of their family because they're a member of our family, and we're all just one big happy family. Schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, and you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. Uh, which is a pretty great deal. So head over to Green Mountain Dental Group. Check them out. They're just outside of Denver and Lakewood. But for now, that wraps it up for us. Have a great day.